0: it now? yellow. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Excellent. Alright. So, I had a few things prepared for you guys tonight, and uh, one of the first things that I wanted to uh, kind of talk a little bit about was this idea, or this YOLO theory, I guess you can say, right? This YOLO theory. And, um, so where, where's the origin of YOLO? Where does it come from? Hip-hop. I don't know. <laughs> Exactly. That's actually true. Yeah. Um, a famous Canadian singer by the name of Drake start, <laughs> started this acronym YOLO in one of his 2011 albums. Yeah. Ever since then, it quickly became part of the teenager's lingo all over the world. But before that, there was the you only live once. Yeah, exactly. It's not really conveying any new ideas. Um, This philosophy of life has been current since a very long time in human society. But this acronym gained quick popularity because it summarized an entire worldview in a single word. It was sort of cool to say that, especially amongst the teenagers. In the animal kingdom, in fact, this is the only philosophy they know. So as much as you would think that we should slam this idea here, we're actually presenting a favorable view on it by applying a paradigm shift. If you look at it from one angle, it is wrong. But if you look at it from another angle, it's actually right. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Does that sound good? All right. But before we get started... I got three questions for you guys. So, is there paper? (laughs) If there's paper, um, my wife's gonna pass around little pieces of paper. The reason why we do that for the first timers here is because we like to keep every answer to every question anonymous, right? We don't wanna put you guys on the spot. So, you know, we, uh, we wanna give you that. And um, looks like we have plenty of paper, so, you know what, give, if, if there's plenty, give everyone two pieces of paper. It's pretty big. It is pretty big, eh? Yeah. That's a pretty big paper. How many questions, you, how many answers can you guys fit in that paper? At least three or four? Yeah. Don't forget a tool, group in the dots, please. All right. <laughs> All right. Excellent, excellent. As as you guys are doing that and getting ready, getting your pens, getting your pieces of paper, I will be putting the first question up, and hopefully it comes up. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, would you say this notion is having a positive or negative effect on society. Please explain. Take your time. Oh, two minutes. No, one minute. Okay. Nice, nice. Alright, take your time. Remove some of this reverb out of my voice. There we go. Dry. Is that better? <laughs> <laughs> Is that good? I'm pretty dry. Okay. Pretty dry. <laughs> Sound nice and clear back there at all? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Welcome Michelle. So this is the first question tonight, it's already up on the board, so if you want to catch up with us, I'll wait a couple more minutes for you. Tonight's uh, lecture is YOLO, You Only Live Once, you've probably heard of that, right? YOLO? Yolo. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about YOLO, this idea of YOLO. So the first question's up on the uh, screen there, and it says, would you say that this notion is having a positive or negative effect on society? And please explain, if you can. All right. And while you guys are doing that, actually, I'll give, I'll give Michelle a minute to think about it.
1: The YOLO, if this is having a positive or negative.
0: Yeah, yeah, this whole, this whole idea of you only live once, you know. Yeah. We talked a little bit about its origin before you came in But essentially, you know, the idea of yo has always been around You only get one shot, that kind of thing I think M&M's? Yeah, i just <laughs> They're, they're they all saying it. it, I mean, you only get one shot Rappers are philosophers, yeah. okay? <laughs> That's what it is right. no. <laughs> Poets <laughs> Poets. Like, Tupac had a whole book of poetry. I don't know if you noticed. Know he <laughs> did. Actually, mentioned him last week. It's funny. What's going on? I didn't plan this. I swear. What's happening? You
1: paying him? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So the next question, guys. The next question is. Let's see which one. Yeah, actually, this one's pretty good. How does this notion shape the way that we live our lives? How does this notion of YOLO shape the way that we live our lives? Mom's on. Hi, Mom. She just said oh. Hare Krishna. <laughs> 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 so You're the best, Mom.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. And the third question is. If all you get is one life to get it right, what happens if you don't? Thought provoking questions, huh? What if you don't
2: get it right, or what if you don't get only one
0: life? Can you see it? If all you get is one life to get it right, what happens if you, don't? if you don't get it right? If you don't get it right okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So those are the three questions. And I'll give you one more minute. And we'll go into where YOLO is wrong. This idea of YOLO. And then we'll talk about some flaws in this philosophy. starting to raise their heads I am getting the impression that people are either finished or they're deep in thought. One of the two. I think Atul's finished because he put, put the pen cap on his pen. I mean, he took it to the next level. So, alright. So where YOLO is wrong? This, this philosophy is rooted in the idea that Birth and death are the boundaries of our existence. There is no acceptance of the principle of reincarnation. The only proofs which can be shown to reject this principle is that we simply do not remember any past life or that there is no scientific method to establish its veracity. Bless you. It is also a matter of convenience for the mass of people because this philosophy promotes hedonism, the pursuit of sensual self-indulgence, which is generally appealing to the mass of people, right? It almost negates the principle of accountability to one's actions. There's no consideration either of sin or piety or the result of both, either in heaven or in hell. This concept of life basically gives a sense of freedom, which is why it's so popular. Does that make sense? Okay, let's talk about some of the flaws in this philosophy of YOLO. And the first flaw is, in these assumptions, one is to think that because we do not remember any past life, it doesn't exist because we can't remember it right but if that's the case we don't remember anything of our life when we were a one-year-old think about it does anyone remember when they were one (laughs) no okay does that mean that we were never a one-year-old so I mean this isn't really a strong argument even in most cases of serious accidents, the person does not remember what had happened. He wakes up a few days later in the hospital but does not remember anything of the accident. That's what I have here written down. That that does not mean that he did not meet with the accident. So if he really did not meet with one, he would not be in the hospital, right? So by observing his current position, One should know by inference, at least, that he met with an accident. It requires a little bit of intelligence. All right. The second flaw is to think that there is no scientific evidence to establish its veracity. Well, there have been rare instances in which a child would accurately describe his previous life, and when checked for verification, the details matched exactly. There are a few documentaries on these cases on YouTube as well. In fact, many such rare cases have been compiled and now there's a sizable collection of such case studies on YouTube and in books. I would know, I used to I used to study a lot of these cases. I was fascinated by them. These near-death experiences, there was always like this common denominator, right? Like after experiencing the other side, it was really cool. And I was just fascinated by it. It seems like the person would come back into his consciousness here in this in this temporary material world a totally different person totally different person anyways all right the modern scientists may not be equipped as yet to explain the phenomenon of reincarnation but these case studies shatter this strongly held viewpoint on the matter by dictionary definition science is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. Observation and experiment. So how can they negate something when they are observing it? Although they may not be able to adequately experiment on it, but if they are observing something, then they cannot deny its existence. So if the case studies are indicating reincarnation, how can one negate the principle altogether? It's a question to ponder. Moreover, to err is human, right? Or to err is human, right? We have four defects. You guys have heard of these four principal defects that we all have? The first one we commit mistakes. Has anyone here ever committed a mistake? You've never committed a mistake, Not man? Even once. That's yeah. a lesson learned, OK? This guy, this guy is special. <laughs> The second principal defect is we can be disillusioned. You know, we may think that, hey, that person loves me, but then they break our hearts, they betray us, right? They become disillusioned. Also, we have imperfect senses. What does that mean? Imperfect senses, that means that if I shut off all the lights in this room, you won't even be able to see the hand in front of you, right? So, we have imperfect senses, and um, we also have a cheating propensity, unfortunately. We all have these four imperfect senses, or defects. The scientists themselves are imperfect in their theories, and instruments must also be imperfect because it is their creation. Make sense? All right. The third flaw is the hedonism and whimsical life that the idea of one life promotes or suggests. I'll repeat that. The third flaw is the hedonism and whimsical life that the idea of YOLO promotes or suggests. Everyone wants to be happy, that's a fact, right? Would you guys agree? Okay, in this material world, that's the world that we're in right now, this world of matter, that's why we call it material because it's, it's dense, right? This material world of sensual pleasure um, sensual pleasure is essentially pleasure through the senses, right? We have five senses. Five, you know. So through these senses, we interact with the world, right? And we define happiness through this uh, sensual pleasure. This is how happiness is defined. And one of the chief reasons why people hold back on sensual pleasure is religious codes, which pronounce enjoyment and suffering and This and the afterlife, for moral and sinful conduct, respectively. Sinful life is a life based on sensual self-indulgence. So if the concept of afterlife is negated, there is no heaven or hell. Everyone can do as he pleases, which is immediately pleasing to everyone, but ultimately destructive there will be an enormous amount of sinful activity which will cause a pretty bad situation here for everyone you know what to speak of the next life right so in the days of yore there was an atheistic philosopher of the name charvaka muni you guys ever heard of charvaka muni anyone here that's who you've heard of really. okay who professed this same yoga concept of life Wait, from the 70s <laughs> Beyond this, okay. this is we're going back. We're going back by some time. Um, but he also talked about this this concept of life, this whole YOLO idea, and he said, and I, and I'll and I'll say the Sanskrit. Rinam kritwa gritam pibet yavaj jivet sukam jivet basmi bhutasya dehasya kuta punar agamano Bhavet. His theory was that as long as one lives, one should eat as much ghee as possible. <laughs> this, was, this was his thing. This was his theory. For those who don't know what ghee is, it's basically clarified butter. Um, it's a basic ingredient in preparing many other foods. Um, but since everyone wants to enjoy nice food, Shavaka Muni advised that one eat as much ghee as possible. One may say, I have no money, how shall I purchase ghee? Charvaka Muni, however, says, if you have no money, then beg, borrow, or steal. But in some way, secure ghee and enjoy life. For one who further objects that he will be held accountable for such unauthorized activities as begging, borrowing, and stealing, Charvaka Muni replies, you will not be held responsible. As soon as your body is burned to ashes after death, Everything is finished. This sort of thinking gives rise to an irresponsible, dangerous type of civilization. The fourth flaw is that there is no concrete explanation for the varieties of life that exist. For example, an exact reason cannot be determined as to why one is born poor and another rich. I'll repeat that again, An an exact reason cannot be determined as to why one person may be born poor and another person may be born rich. Or why is one born as a human, whereas another is a dog? We shall visit this in the next section based on the law of karma. Because it's important. If you take karma out of the equation, a lot of these things don't make sense. We'll talk a little bit about that too. So is this making sense so far?
1: Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Reminded of how, like I seen a series where the father had passed away, but right before doing so, um, he had asked his daughter to sign some papers in which she would inherit his death, instead of his, his dumb son, and so she was like, she had to suffer on behalf of her father even though she was like, oh God.
0: really, yeah, interesting, very nice, yeah, yeah. 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 You, go. you go, all right, cool, yeah. Why is disillusioning a bad thing? Why is disillusion? Yeah,
2: why is that a bad thing? Like, I'm disillusioned now. So now I see the reality of the situation. Why would I get that be bad? Well,
3: oh, uh, yeah. no, it's illusion, not disillusion.
1: Illusion? It's, it's, it's the, it's, we fall into illusion. Yes.
3: That, okay, it's not, it's not, it's not, yes. sorry, sorry. Okay, cool. That's okay, okay. That now we're Does that does make sense? now, right. my
1: yeah. bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Illusion. <laughs> we okay. fall into disillusion illusion. Disillusion isn't the opposite of illusion, it means like the end of something.
3: This illusion means like, you're almost like you're unveiling. The, yeah, you're finding out the truth. Like so, the no, thing no, behind no. the screen, yeah. you know, it's like, so hey, so I was in
2: a fog of
0: illusion and now yes. I know who, the opposite I'm of closer illusion, to truth. Yes. So, so I'm like, why would that be a bad thing? Like, come on, bro. Right, right. No, <laughs> you're right. So when we fall into illusion, that's, gotcha. that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. When come we on. see things, because Maya means that which is not. Okay. So when we talk about Maya, we're talking about illusion. Yeah. It's
3: a really nice topic. Yeah. Um, one thing you said you said that yeah. the hedonism everybody enjoys yes that's not actually the case because usually when somebody's enjoying another other person is suffering yeah. someone else yeah. is suffering people are enjoying at the expense of other people sure yeah. sure yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah that's true that's true yeah. or you don't have the capacity to enjoy so you get frustrated oh yeah that can happen too yeah like the whole beg borrow or steal type thing yeah for sure these are all good points. You can suck at yeah, all three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, strike here. out. Good points, good points. All right. Let's go into the scriptures. Let's go into what the Vedas talk about. Have you guys ever heard of the Vedas? You ever heard of the Vedas? You ever heard of the Bhagavad Gita? Oh, yeah, 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 actually, yes. Yeah? Okay. So, it's our bhakti yoga text. And they're very, very ancient. So much knowledge in them. And it's the books that we mainly study, the Bhagavad Gita, the Srimad Bhagavatam. So that's some of the scriptures that we'll talk a little bit about today. Um, so let's, let's deconstruct it a little bit um, by scriptural evidence. So this whole theory of only one life stems directly from this bodily conception of life. That means that everyone thinks essentially he's his body, right? So when the body dies, we think we die. But the first thing that constitutes real knowledge is the awareness that the soul and the body are two separate entities with diametrically opposite characteristics. That is clearly explained in the Bhagavad Gita. Thank you. Chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Let's see if I can sing this. Because Sanskrit is usually sung. You're not usually speaking it. So uh, let's see. Avinasi to tadvidi, yena sarva tatam, Vina shama vyasya, Nakashi kashi kartum arhati, Antabantai madeeha, Nitya Anashino premayasya, Tasma yudyas, yudyaswa Bharata And what this says is that which pervades the entire body, you should know to be indestructible. No one is able to destroy that imperishable soul. The material body of the indestructible, immeasurable, and eternal living entity is sure to come to an end. The soul is eternal and the body is temporary under all circumstances. Only circumstantially the soul is trapped within the material body. Under the influence of the powerful material nature, the soul, and this is the word again, is disillusioned to think that he is the material body. That is confirmed in the Srimad Bhagavatam 175. So maybe someone can do a, a, a look, uh, maybe a word study on that disillusion. To me, I was under the impression that it means being under illusion as well. I mean, so, if
1: you're disillusioned, that you fell into illusion. So one kind
0: of... That's what I mean. I, I, th- I thought they were the same. this Okay, anyways, moving on. Let's see. That, okay, I read that. And that is confirmed also in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the other scripture. The Srimad Bhagavatam is a much larger collection of scriptures. And it states in the Srimad Bhagavatam, and I'll go ahead and quote the Sanskrit, Due to this external material energy, the living entity, although transcendental to the three modes of nature, thinks of himself as a material product and thus undergoes the reactions of material miseries. That means that the eternal soul dons and sheds the temporary material bodies, one after another, as is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita, 222. I'll skip the Sanskrit. As a person puts on new garments, giving up old ones, the soul similarly accepts new material bodies, giving up the old and useless ones. Another interesting point to note here is that one does not need to wait until death to find out if reincarnation exists or not. Even in this life, one passes through so many stages or bodies, infancy, childhood, youth, and then old age. So when a person attains childhood, he has already shed his infant body. But when he is a youth, he has shed his childhood body. When he is an old man, he has shed his youthful body. So Bhagavad Gita 2.13 informs us that the soul similarly sheds the old body in exchange for a new one. This event is what is commonly known as death. Does that make sense? Anyone have any questions? All right. In fact, every moment we're shedding our old body and a new one, and we're getting new ones all the time, but it's happening so imperceptibly that we see it as a continuous moment, movement and we term it as growth. It is just like a movie theater wherein the spool is set in motion and we see continuous movement on the screen. You guys ever seen those old? But if we go to the projection room, we see that it is actually thousands of still images. What sort of new body one gets after death is determined by one's mental condition at the time of death. Bhagavad Gita 8.6 gives us the information that whatever state of being one remembers when he quits his body, that state he will attain without fail. That final thought will be determined by his practice in the current life. So if one is practiced to constantly think of one's pet dog, for example, he may very well remember that dog at the time of death and get the body of a dog after death. Our behavior also matters. If I am very attached to eating meat, then Mother Nature, under the supervision of the Supreme Lord, will award me with a body like that of a tiger, so so that I can only eat meat my whole life. So take the example of, of the accident we mentioned in the earlier section. The very fact that the patient is in the hospital with a deformed body suggests that he met with an accident. He may not remember the accident or in severe cases, he may not remember anything or anyone in his life. Similarly, due to the extreme shock resulting from a change of body, the living entity totally forgets his previous life. But from his present condition of life, we can infer as to what his past was. The type of species or family that one is born in and the advantages or disadvantages that ensue should be understood to be the result of this previous work. And actually, again, the scriptures, the bhakti yoga text, Srimad Bhagavatam 331, 1, confirms this as follows. Under the supervision of the Supreme Lord and according to the result of his work, the living entity, the soul, is made to enter the womb of a woman through the particle of male semen to assume a particular type of body. According to the variety of desires of the living entities, there are appropriate accommodation provided for them within 8,400,000 species of life. So a custom-made body is awarded to a living entity which is just suitable to his desires in his previous life. But whichever species one may take birth in, one's life can never be peaceful in this world, whether in the heavenly, earthly, hellish or animal life. The four principal miseries of birth, death, old age and disease will plague the living entity in every life. Apart from that, there are innumerable minor sets of miseries. Therefore, if one wants real happy, one should not take birth in this material world, but go to the spiritual world or the kingdom of God. That's, that's the goal. And that can be done by remembering God, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We call him Krishna, and that means all-attractive. And if we remember him at the time of death, then surely we'll go back to him. One is then immediately transferred to the spiritual kingdom, but for that one needs to mold his current life in such a way that he constantly remembers the Lord at every step of his life. Then there is a good chance that one remembers him at the time of death and returns back home ultimately we're strangers in a strange land and we're trying to go back home never to return this place there one enjoys unlimited pleasure cuz we're pleasure seeking beings no one wants to deny you your pleasure it is our nature to please we were created to seek pleasure and to give pleasure so it's our nature but in the, in the spiritual world We can experience unlimited pleasure In the company of Krishna And that's our constitutional nature It's to be back with Krishna So let's talk a little bit about where YOLO is right Right? Because this is interesting right? We talked a little bit about where it's wrong Let's talk a little bit about where it's right In reality, we only live once Because the soul never takes birth. Think about that for a sec. Nor dies. So in reality, Bhagavad Gita 227 confirms this idea. For the soul there is neither birth nor death at any time. He has not come into being, does not come into being, and will not come into being. He is unborn, eternal, ever existing, and primeval. He is not slain, when the body is slain. Lord Sri Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 2.12, never was there a time when I did not exist. This is God saying this. Nor you, nor all these kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. Each one of us is a tiny, eternal part and parcel of God. So we are actually a sample of God. God's eternal, and we're also eternal. He is a conscious living entity, and we're also conscious living entities, but he's so powerful that he alone maintains all the innumerable living entities, both in this material world and in the spiritual worlds. Krishna's abode is also eternal. He describes it in Bhagavad Gita 820 and 21, and I'll skip the Sanskrit there. There is another unmanifest nature which is eternal and is transcendental to this manifested and unmanifested matter. It is supreme and is never annihilated. When all in this world is annihilated, that part remains as it is. That which the Vedantists describe as unmanifest and infallible, that which is known as the supreme destination. That place from which, having attained it, one never returns. That's my supreme abode. This is Krishna speaking. So the kingdom of God is a Sanskrit word, sanatana, eternal. The jiva, which is, we're the jiva, we're the individual soul, we're also described as eternal. So we also have this sanatana quality. And the Lord is also described as sanatana. The activity which can transfer this individual sanatana, living entity, to the Sanatana abode to associate with the Supreme Sanatana, the Lord is called Sanatana Dharma or Sanatana Dharma, which is the eternal occupation of the living entity. We're temporarily engaged in different activities right now. You name it. There's innumerable activities going on in this material world. Right? There's innumerable pursuits. You've seen that movie, In Pursuit of Happiness? Everyone's pursuing their idea of happiness. So we're we're temporarily engaged in in all these activities, but all of these activities can be purified when we give up all these temporary activities and take up the activities which are prescribed by Krishna. And that's, that's a pure life. That's what he wants for all of us. So that Sanatana Dharma or constitutional nature or the essence of who you are or eternal occupation as we mentioned earlier is defined by Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita in the last chapter, verse 55. He says, one can understand me as I am, as the supreme personality of Godhead, only by devotional service. Do you guys know what devotional service is? Does anyone know what that is? Do you guys know what that is, devotional service? Okay, when you think of someone you love, how do you demonstrate your love oh, to them? Oh, okay. So it's a
2: combination of, like, devoting and then one of the five languages of love, which is providing service, Right. acts
0: of service. Acts of service, exactly. So this is how you demonstrate your love towards someone. If you love them, you, you, you may serve them. You may do something nice for them. So in the same way, God's not different. He wants us to serve him with love. So it's not like this whole, you're the servant, as if, you know, as in the whole negative idea that we have here in this world, where we think of a servant and we think of someone that's, you know, exactly. There's so many negative connotations to that word servant. But in the spiritual world, this idea of servant and served it's actually a very beautiful reciprocal dance. It's... It's a love, it, it, it's a love loving relationship. It's it's one of surrender. surrender, that's the word. But not just from one end, it's it's surrender from both sides. So we serve the Lord and He serves us. And in that way there is this reciprocal exchange that goes on eternally. And it is described that this is ever increasing. It never becomes old. It never becomes stale. And it's always growing for all eternity. And this is where we experience the highest bliss. This is actually our position. And, you know, my Guru Dave, he's usually here, by the way. And he's usually the one giving this class, not me. That's why I'm not very good at this. But I'm trying. Yeah. Um, but when he's here, he always says, um, when we are not in our constitutional position, we are malfunctioning. Which is why we experience so much suffering. Which is why we experience so much unhappiness in this world. So even if we achieve the object of our whatever, somehow when we get it, we're still not satisfied. When it's all said and done, it's like we don't experience what we thought we would get out of it. So what do we do? Okay, then I need more. So then we go for more. And this perpetual cycle of misery continues. And it never stops because none of these things can ever satiate the soul which is spiritual. Why is that? Because all these things are temporary. And they're material. So how can you get satisfaction when you yourself are eternal from something that's material? It just makes no sense. So that's why my guru the CEO, he always says that we're malfunctioning. So this idea of devotional service is the highest expression of love. Why is it the highest expression of love? Can anyone help me out here? Anyone? Why would you think that devotional service would be the highest expression of love? Yes? Because it's
1: selfless.
0: Because it's selfless. It's giving. Because it's giving. Anyone else? you serving god because you're serving god right right but what's your mood what's your attitude what, what what are you thinking are you are you thinking that you want something out of it so it's so it's selfless can anyone unpack that a little bit yes
3: something uh, favorable for the object
0: of love like, something in other favorable. Words, like
3: getting to know what would please them
0: right See, this this goes beyond just this mundane idea of love. Because when we think about love, we think about what can I get out of it. There's always this idea that what can I benefit from this. But, even in this material world, we may experience the love of someone that is selfless. And that is thinking of the other person. So we get glimpses of what this, this real love looks like. But it's, in, in the spiritual world, it's called prema love. It's the highest love. There's words for, for these different levels of love. In the English language, there's just one word, so we use it interchangeably. Hey, man, I love your shoes. Yeah. So in the same way that I may say, I love your shoes, or I love your purse, I may say, I love you, mom. Mm-hmm. So what's really the meaning of the word? So in, in Sanskrit, though, there's different higher levels, higher meanings of the word love. So this prema love is love that we share directly with the Supreme. And it goes beyond this mundane conception of love. It goes beyond this idea of love that we, for the most part, see in this material world where it looks more like a business transaction. Hey, you please me, I please you. But the moment you stop pleasing me, I'm going to stop pleasing you and I'm going to find someone else who can please me. You see, it's like, it's like you scratch my back, I scratch yours. There's a video on YouTube, very famous, it's called Fish Love. Look it up if you haven't seen it. I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a very powerful video that drives home this exact point that I'm talking about. But that's not the kind of love Krishna is looking for us. He wants pure love. Prabhupada calls it unalloyed devotional service. Unalloyed because it's not mixed with anything, it's pure. So its intention is pure. So, this is the kind of love that Krishna wants from us. And he gives us the free will to either reject them or accept them. And love can only be real love if it gives you the option of rejection. Right? If I force you to love me, is that real love? Uh,
2: no, so basically, real love would be like if you never wanted me in your life again, I still want the best for
0: you. Right. Right. But ultimately, my hope is that you would come back and that we can, again, once again, share in that love. So hoping, I mean, in, in the material sense, you're right. Hey, okay, you know, you fell out of love with me. I still wish the best for you. We go our separate ways. But when we're, when we're talking about the supreme lover and we're talking about you, you were created to give him love and he's created to give you love. So he's thinking, I respect that. In fact, I'll create a world where you can experience all that you need to experience without me. And maybe you may think that you found something better than me. Or maybe you may think that, hey, I can do this. I can be God too. So let me go out there and be God. And, and Krishna is thinking, that's fine. That's okay. But I still love you and I'm waiting for you. So this is beautiful. So the last thing that I have written down here to go right into the question is, when one is thus reinstated, in the spiritual world, by the execution of the sur- uh, devotional service unto Krishna, the Supreme Lord, one does not need to undergo repeated birth and death, and he will live only once and forever in the blissful company of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. So, what are you waiting for? Give up the illusory YOLO and take up the real one. The choice is entirely yours. All right. So we'll go into the questions now. Before I get into these, does anyone have any comments or anything they want to say about any of the things that I just read? Yeah. This is
3: not a true and yeah, he said he and be and, like and, steal and yeah. see steel. Yeah, because Muni means uh, like a, a thoughtful person. Yeah, so you can see how it's dangerous sometimes to be a, like a thoughtful person. Right, right. I guess, like Prabhupada said, he said the mind, when, um, how do you put it, it's a fer- fertile, the fertile minds of, uh, I can exactly how you put it. Yeah. But the idea was is that like, when we're on the, the mental, even intellectual platform, Separate from uh, receiving transcendental knowledge from, yes. from great self-realized souls, yes. then it's kind of a competition of who can come up with the best theory. Right. Like, hey, like I, I want to be, I want to be esteemed in society. I want to be to have distinction. Right. So I have to come up with a cooler theory and more popular theory than
0: you. Right. And once I do that, I win a Nobel Prize. Exactly. And I can be uh, more popular than you. So. So this is this cheating propensity that we see here in this material world, this whole doggy dog mentality. It's like, I want to step over you to get some distinction, some adoration, some profit, right? Because these are the things that we're pursuing here in this material world. So. So Mooney doesn't always mean a stage. Or, it doesn't necessarily mean a be stage. <laughs> it means somebody who's just. Yeah. Like a and that's good. that's good that you point that out, because when we think of the word Mooney, who do we think of? <laughs> we, we think of In the bhakti yoga text There's this one personality We call him the transcendental spaceman Because he's everywhere Where there's kirtan He's anywhere where the, the mood And the environment is completely transcendentalized I mean he's everywhere Period He's, also a <laughs> he's <yeah. laughs> But he is He is a great devotee He is a great devotee By great devotee I mean that he is He is a lover of God he loves God and he's rendering devotional service to God at the highest level. Why? Because he wants to please him. It's his heart's desire. So, but this is a whole different moon we're talking about. Here. <laughs> but a whole different yeah, philosophy. So, alright, let's get into these questions. <clears throat> and while I'm basically going through these, she'll be serving you guys out. You guys can eat. Don't worry about it. I won't get offended uh, by we'll you guys we, eating. We so okay, time. also, I'm kind of, I'm actually early now. I thought I'd be late. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, the first question was, you guys remember? Let's see. Yeah. Would you say this notion is having a positive or negative effect on society? Explain. This person said, since it promotes a way of life void of consequences, it is used to motivate activities that are generally detrimental for ultimate good. Whoa, I like that. All right, anyone have anything to say about this person's answer? I'll repeat it one more time. Since it promotes a way of life void of consequences, it is used to motivate activities that are generally detrimental for ultimate good. All right, number two. How does this notion shape the way that we live our lives? Could be reckless, definitely based on temporary experience over a life of spiritual growth. Mm. So this person says reckless, based on temporary experiences over a life of spiritual growth. And number three, if all you get is one life to get it right, what happens if you don't? You're you're either eternally non-existent or eternally in suffering or or in a dualistic environment. You're either eternally non-existent or eternally in suffering or in a dualistic environment. So based on the Vedas, we have had trillions and trillions of past lives and every time we go through this human experience it is meant to bring us closer to Krishna but because he's given us free will we can choose whatever we want we can choose to reject Krishna we can say well I don't want you Krishna and in our consciousness we can think that we're away from from God and we can begin to live our lives in such a way where we're convinced that we're separate from God So if this is the case, then unfortunately, we have to continue to transmigrate. Transmigrate just means reincarnate. So uh, from one body to the next, just like the Bhagavad Gita describes it as the changing of clothes as we go from one body to another. So unfortunately, this is what we continue to do. We continue to take on bodies, you know, repeated birth, death disease, old age, you know we have to experience these things. So one may say, well, what's so bad about that? Well, we, we're suffering. You know, the fact that we have to die is foreign to who we are. The idea of dying is troublesome to the mind because we don't realize that we're actually eternal. But once we realize that the reason it's foreign and it's troublesome to the mind is, is that because we're eternal, then we can accept this idea so anyways, I really like that. But I think eventually we'll have to continue to you know, go through this cycle of samsara, um, taking new bodies, taking new births. And um, ultimately, if we're fortunate and if we're lucky and if we get the mercy of the Lord, then we can, then we can transcend these, uh, these material modes. We can go beyond these, uh, these material bodies and go back home. And that's ultimately the goal. But I, I reject this idea of getting it right in one life. That's, that's not true. So, you know, they're my Christian brothers and sisters, which I love dearly. But they have this idea that you got to get it right the first time. If you don't get it right the first time, forget it. You're done. So it's like, yes. And when do you
3: see that even in our experience? Like, generally, We always get other chances. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how could, if, if, if there's a creator and this is, like, you know, microcosm of this creation, then how come, you know, we can make mistakes and learn from them in this experience, but the ultimate experience, we get one shot. We get
0: one shot. <laughs> it doesn't make any Do sense. Do not miss your chance. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is interesting. I love this point that you make, and I always talk about, how can I express more compassion than the ultimate compassionate person? which is God. This idea that if someone, let's say, does me wrong in some way, if someone hurts me, that I can forgive that person and give them another chance, right? To redeem themselves, right? We have this ability, right? We have this this capability to forgive someone, right? But God doesn't have that. He doesn't have the ability to Give someone a second chance. No, you get one shot, man. If you mess up, you're burning in hell for he's all eternity. He's a great parent, bro. Bro, he's. Yeah, that's, that's, a really, he's that's, a, that's a really bad parent. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty bad guy. Oh, man. So, anyways, we reject that idea that there's one life, there isn't one life. We get many chances. Many, 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 many. Ch- in fact, we've had trillions and trillions of past lives. We've already mentioned this. Yes? In the Gitas, mention like
1: Krishna sends the demons to hell, but so it's their only demons because out of their own free will, they've chosen to turn away. And they'll do this perpetually throughout each lifetime. They'll only identify as a demon because out of their own free will, they will never turn And why are they considered demonic? Because they will, out of their own free will, they will never surrender to the causeless mercy of Christ. Right, like but the
0: opportunity sense. is there. Yeah. So the opportunity is always there for them to change. So these people that think like they can say, "Well, if he's an all-loving God. Why would he damn me now?"
1: That's like them condemning themselves in, in the name of God. They don't get
0: the <laughs> point. There's like the holy spring. Right. Good point. Good point. <clears throat> All right, let's continue. All right, this person says. I think it is having both. Some I think will take it to mean that nothing, no one matters which is bad, but for others it gives courage to live to the fullest and to not simply follow the order of society. Good. I agree. I agree and I think I touched a little bit on looking at it from a different perspective but this is true. This is true. Uh, Has anyone experienced the near-death experience and then you know, it kind of I mean you've heard of these cases. We talked a little bit about it. Person experiences this, this traumatic event that completely changes the way that they pursue and the way that they view life. So in the same way, if you were in a in a you know, if you almost get into a car accident, it could have been fatal, you might co- you might go home and if you have a family, you might you might hug your 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 kids tighter. Right. <laughs> So this is true, definitely true. But ultimately, ultimately, because we're looking at this from a higher vantage point, right? We're like pressing the zoom out button here. Let's look at the big picture. You can become a really good person in this life. That's true. And, that, and these are all positive things. These are all good things that will help elevate the soul. But ultimately, when one realizes that, hey, one's eternal... And I've been given this opportunity to make spiritual advancement. And one takes full advantage of that. One doesn't put that off for another life. Because one understands, as it's stated in the scriptures, that this material world, because it's temporary, and because you're not temporary, and because you're not temporary, this world is full of miseries. And you may say, well, I'm having a really, really good time right now. <laughs> that might be your perception. But that will more than likely change. And we see this time and time again, so. All right, number two. Ultimately, it leaves it leaves most more greedy than before hearing this idea. So I guess, how does this notion shape the way we live our lives? Ultimately, it leaves most more greedy than before. So this person sees it as it affecting us in a negative way. It might make one more greedy. Okay. All right. Third question, or third answer. I think that it's pretty hard to guess that if we are not souls, maybe just no afterlife. I think that it's pretty hard to guess that if we are not souls, maybe just no afterlife. Does anyone make sense of that? I think that it's pretty hard to guess that if we are not souls, maybe just no afterlife. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. I had to read it a few times. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Sweet. Does anyone want to add anything to that? Expand on that. People maintain that there is no soul. scientists,
1: scientist, especially atheists. Right. So if there's, if you're just dead, dead in the ground, then do what you want, with it it's like Right. The right.
0: Right.
1: No punishment or reward. This is the function of reward. Right
0: now, right here, and now. The- actually, when
2: I was a kid, I grew up like in. Uh, Christian household of yeah. thing like that So I grew sure. up with This whole idea of like Heaven and hell And all that type of stuff Sure me too But heaven nor hell Really scared me The only thing that Actually scared me Was this idea That my soul Could cease to exist Right So like If I spent eternity In hell Cool If I spent eternity In heaven Cool If I cease to
0: exist That's cruel That's you. <coughs> right Right I understand mm-hmm. Totally me too But I, I I would take it Even further And say that If one spent An eternity in hell That's pretty cruel
2: and actually, like for me, it came from a perspective of like, I got to experience life. Right. And if that was going to be taken away and I was going to cease to exist, why even give me the opportunity life. to experience life? Generally? That's a good point. Like it was, that was that issue with me kind of thing. And like that, that makes a like, lot it like, of sense. It was like, if I, if I, if I spend eternity in hell, that's cool. At least I didn't cease to exist because that's my biggest fear. Ceasing right. to exist. Right. Right. Experiencing life and then having it taken away completely.
0: Right. So you, you heard these verses that I read earlier where Krishna is saying that there's never been a time that you've never not existed. Oh yeah. I believe that too. I yeah. was just saying from a personal experience
3: like why I yeah. have that perspective. Mm-hmm. So, You're in touch with yourself as a soul. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because because the soul doesn't doesn't have that experience of dying. Right. Yeah. So you right. Don't want to die.
2: Yeah, That's exactly. yes. it's, almost, it's almost completely inconceivable yeah. to have a sense of identity. Like, yeah, and, and, and it's like that never even comes up in Christianity. But for me, it was like it like it ne- there's I don't remember reading anywhere that it said you cease to exist, no. But like for me, when I was just analyzing it as a kid by myself, I was just like, well, hell seems pretty bad, but some things on earth seem pretty bad too. I could deal with it. Right, um, <laughs> right, right. But if I like ceased Like in that one moment when I just know that this is it. Like how many emotions would I go through in that moment? And I would prefer it never to have existed to begin with.
0: Exactly. And why give me the chance, right? Yeah. Why give me the shot in the first place? Exactly. I like that. I think you're on to something, my friend. (laughs) I recommend the Bhakti Yoga scriptures, the the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavad Gita. You'll love it. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I grew up Christian too. Mm -hmm. So I had all these questions. Mm-hmm. But it had so many holes, like there was so many unconnected dots. They get mad when you shake their
2: foundation, even Absolutely. against the kids. They will freaking yeah. like.
0: We love you guys, by the way, <laughs> on Facebook land. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. much love, much love. <laughs> like, like just, but, but, we're just, we're just being real. You know, we're just being honest. Um, we love you guys. We respect you guys. Um, Jesus is very much real. And, um, you know, if, if you take shelter of Jesus Christ, then, then you will surely go to the Father. There is no doubt of that. So take shelter of Jesus Christ, and you'll go back to the Father. All right, let's move on. Uh, number one, would you say this notion is having a positive or negative effect on society? Please explain. This person said negative because it denies reincarnation. It lacks empathy or nature's equalizer. I like that. I like how they worded that. The drive to do everything for yourself is required. So do that risky skateboard trick. (laughs) Very cool. All right. Number two How does this notion shape the way we live our lives? If YOLO, then when you die, you're dead. There is no punishment or reward. Number three. If all you get is one life to get it right, what happens when you don't? Tough break. Better fulfill. <laughs> better fulfill all desires while you while you get. Doesn't matter if you're poor, kill to achieve. <laughs> and that's that's this particular uh, Mooney's uh, philosophy. Like borrow or steal, whatever you gotta do, get it. It's
1: not good you.
0: That's funny. All right, number one, this person said, both positive in inspiring people to live their best life, negative because some people take it as a license to disrespect others. Yeah, for sure. I agree 100%. I like that. Number two, ideally, it gives you a sense of urgency to be ambitious and go after what you desire. That's true. That's true, and in the case of... of, spirituality we're talking about becoming spiritually ambitious in other words pursuing your birthright wholeheartedly so for sure 100 percent um and number three someone said your energy remains that's true energy is neither created nor destroyed right we know this we have this understanding but it shifts it changes yeah like this water that i'm drinking now could have been a tree in the past life or some other time so energy is constantly uh, uh shifting uh, what'd you say? Ice? Ice? Yeah, like ice. Yeah, yeah, but it's still considered water. But I mean, like water at some like point... form. Yeah, at, at some point, water could have been a tree, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, energy's always shifting. It's always changing. So you're absolutely right. But you remain in this material world if you still hold on to these desires. And ultimately... At the time of death, it's all about your karma, which is, I mean, we all have karma, right? We're all dealing with karma. We all have, you know, reactions to our actions. So it's a, it's a combination of karma and it's a combination of desires. And that will determine what happens in our next life. So my guru Dave gives this really crude example <laughs> that if all I do in this life is sex life, if all I think about is sex right? And that's basically, I mean, if you think about it, that's basically how animals live, right? Animals are eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Do we agree? This is kind of what they do, eat, sleep, mate, defend. This is animal life, right? Well, the humans are meant to rise above these propensities of just... Eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Why? Because we've been, given, we've been given the intelligence, the mental capacity to go beyond just these, these kind of uh, more animalistic propensities. We've been given the ability to actually ponder what's beyond, right? So this is kind of what separates us from, from the animal kingdom, although it doesn't stop us from living like animals. So we can reduce ourselves to basically living like sophisticated animals, and that's what we see. Because essentially, we just eat, sleep, mate, and defend a little bit more sophisticated than, than the dogs do. <laughs> so essentially, my guru, Dave, always gives this example that if all I think about is sex life and this life, right, and at the end of this life, that is the only thing that I desire, then the human body is probably not the best body for, for you know unlimited sex life. So you'll probably get a body in which that you can enjoy sex life. Is it a punishment, guys? Is it a punishment? No, it's not a punishment. Krishna doesn't punish anyone. He doesn't punish you. He simply gives you what you desire. Oh, you don't want me? Fine. I'll give you the faith so that you can be an atheist. Here you go. Here's your faith. You can be an atheist. Oh, you want me? Okay, I'll give you the faith so that you can come to me. Oh, you just want to enjoy this world? Apart from me, I'll give you, I'll give you everything you want to be able to enjoy that world. So Krishna is never punishing us. He's simply fulfilling our desires. So in this particular example, although crude, is true. So I like this. Very good. Let's continue. This person says, I always thought it had a negative effect, even though it has a positive message. It means to live life to the fullest because this is our only life. But it encouraged a lot of people to do dumb things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because YOLO. <laughs> you do not only live once, you live every day. This is good. This is good. It, it is misleading, absolutely misleading. Ab- totally, absolutely misleading. And you can see how it's promoting this kind of hedonistic kind of lifestyle, this, this pursuit that every, it, everything goes and we got to get the gusto, right? That's that word, the gusto. El gusto, vamos sacarle el jugo, like we say in <laughs> Spanish. Right? In Puerto Rico, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, that's how we say it. So, so, anyway, that's how it's said. But there's so much more. There's so much more to life than just this idea that we're just simply meant to enjoy through our senses. There's so much more. There are transcendental senses. See? There's these physical senses, but then there are these transcendental senses that we can tap into and we can actually experience greater pleasure when we experience through these senses these transcendental senses and this isn't actually hurting you it isn't affecting you negatively because it's not about suppression suppression whatever you whatever you resist persists right this idea that whatever you try to suppress is inevitably going to blow up in your face That's not what Krishna consciousness is all about. Krishna consciousness is not about suppression. It's about understanding that you need to redirect. Right? You have to, exactly. So it's like you're pointing here and you're missing the target. The target's over here. And Krishna's saying, hit that target. And when you hit that target, then you'll experience all the pleasure, satisfaction, bliss. Your nature. There's three Sanskrit words that describe who you are, who you are, who you are. It's Cheat ananda sat cheat Three words. The first word, sat, does anyone know what it means? Just say it. Second word, chit. Full of
1: knowledge.
0: That means you're full of chit. That's good. You're full of knowledge. Alright? Get your minds out the gutter. It's Chit. Chit. C-H-I-T. That means you're full of knowledge. And the third is Ananda.
1: Blissful.
0: You're full of bliss. This is your nature. Eternal, full of knowledge and bliss. This is who you are. Each and every one of you. If you're not experiencing that, it's because your consciousness is covered over. That's all. That's all. It's just, it's, it's between the ears, man. That's it. It's right here. All right. Let's move on. Number two, it makes people think that their time is limited and that they have to do everything right now when really our existence is limitless. That is true. I had two our when you were